Oh, my gosh. Um, got a great guest coming on here in a little bit. Howard Bender of Fantasy Alarm will be joining us. Uh, Howard and I are going to be talking a lot of football tonight. Uh, some consistency. We're going to talk a lot about mock drafts, um, how important they are, why they're a big deal, uh, and why you should try them. Um, I think it never used to be a big deal because I think a lot of people kind of felt like, um, you know, they kind of knew their league, and 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 in some cases, that's certainly the point. And uh, but you know, now nowadays, um, more and more people uh, have a lot more information at their fingertips. Um, you know, the quote dumb guy in your league isn't so dumb anymore because he's got the internet. He's got access to a lot of good stuff. Hopefully fancy football consistency, but it's just not the same as the day where somebody showed up, uh, you know, with a magazine and a, and a six pack and that's his prep for the, uh, for the draft. Uh, these people are more prepared. Uh, and so mock drafts are important. See where guys are falling, see where their ADPs are, that kind of stuff. So we're going to get a lot into that tonight. Uh, Howard is doing a really cool thing called Mark, the mock draft army. And he's going to talk all about that. Uh, I'm going to try to be involved in some of that, help him out um, where people are going to get together, do mock drafts. You can see the results and you can see where guys are falling, um, depending on your league. And they're doing different size leagues, 10 team, 12 team, PPR, non-PPR, a lot of good stuff. And, and we're going to talk with Howard uh, about that uh, not too long into it. Um, but hey, welcome and welcome to the Asylum Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, I know if you're a regular listener of this show, you know what the Asylum Fantasy Sports Network is all about. It is about fantasy sports every night of the week. And this is all brought to you by the guys from Asylum Sports, uh, Rick Flieger, Rick Briggs. Uh, they are the guys that put this all together. And I was honored to uh, be asked to be one of the nights uh, on their network. So uh, as you know, that's on Thursday night. But let's go through the week. So just in case you have uh, some other plans or some other non-plans, I should say, uh, for a weeknight, you can certainly listen to these guys. So Monday night, Sports Rants with Chris Hill. He's going to bring you all kinds of fantasy sports stuff, all kinds of sports topics. He's going to rant about them, and you can chime in with him. Tuesday night, the man themselves, Fleeker and Briggs, bring you the Asylum Sports Show. If you're a baseball guy, fantasy baseball, I have one team. Didn't do very well. Pretty much chucked it for the year, drafted or traded or did some dump trades. Got some good guys for next year, so I'm looking forward to next year. Uh, so that's why I'm doing more fantasy football. But uh, if you're still in, you're still competing in your fantasy baseball league and you need some help, uh, Ben Samuels and Mike Valverde are on Wednesday night with Pine Tar Talk. Of course, Thursday night, I'm here from 7 o'clock uh, to between 8 and 9, depending on the night, depending on the guest. Uh, we'll see how it goes tonight. Uh, Friday night, if you're into racing, uh, NASCAR, NDA, whatever racing you're into, racing times with Alan and Robin are on Friday night. Saturday night, the Dynasty Dudes, Russell Clay, Nathan Powell, bringing you all kinds of good information for you guys that play in those Dynasty Leagues. And uh, there's a lot of you out there. Sunday night, uh, Nick, Nick Ficarelli, the Mad Scientist. The Mad Scientist will be on Sunday night as well. So... Like I said, doesn't matter the night of the week. Silence Sports Network is here for you. Uh, I think you can click a button somewhere to subscribe, and they'll tell you every night when uh, every night one of the guys are on, or girls in Robin's case. Um, 
So anyway, so like I said, so tonight we're going to have Howard Bender come on here in just a little bit. He should be calling on soon um, while we're talking. Um, and we're talking about kind of mock drafts, but this was a real draft. Um, I was honored to be invited this year into the FFPC's Pros versus Joes competition. Uh, this has been going on for about, I think, five, six, seven years. Uh, Darren Armani from FantasyMojo.com uh, started this a while back. And basically, it is a competition. It is 36 experts versus 36 high-stake uh, FFPC players. So these guys are not, um, while they may not have the, quote, title of expert, these guys are good. These guys know what they're doing. They've won probably a lot more money in that game than I've probably made writing in my 13 years. But that doesn't matter. Uh, but these guys are the best. And so they're there, and, uh, you know, they're, uh, uh, they're playing against us. So we have six leagues with um, six uh, fantasy experts six fantasy joes in each league so 12 and um, basically it's total points we draft for uh 28 rounds they do it in a best ball style where uh, you pick as many running backs wide receivers quarterbacks whatever you want defense kickers each week you get the best points for the quarterback two running backs uh two receivers two flex and then you also uh, have your kicker and your top defense uh and that's your total points for the week. The difference is this is an accumulative thing, so you're not playing head-to-head. -head. And whoever accumulates the most points over 16 weeks wins the division, and whoever wins the division gets a free uh, entry, $1,700 entry, into next year's FFPC National Competition in Vegas. Uh, and then they will also crown the person with the most points total of all 72 as the pros versus Joe's champion, which was last year was Tim McCullough uh, from Roto Expert. So I see a 415 number. I'm thinking that's Howard. Howard, is there? are you out there? Hey, Bob. How's it going today? Good, man. Well, gentlemen, or ladies and gentlemen, uh, on the phone right now, uh, the man, the legend, Howard Bender from Fantasy Alarm. This guy's a big deal, and why he's a big deal is because he has his own serious radio show on Saturday night, Sunday night, uh, and uh, I'll let him tell about that. But I always said that's what I wanted to do when I grow up is to be have my own show on, on uh, serious radio. Maybe someday I will, but Howard has it now. Uh, Howard's been around a long time. Uh, Howard's, uh, like I said, a big deal at Fantasy Alarm. Uh, so, Howard, tell us a little bit about, you know, how you got to this point, how many years you've been playing, uh, how you got involved with Fantasy Alarm, um, some Twitter things for people to follow you that are listening out there as well. Wow. All right. Well, let's see. Let's see how we can recap this. I've probably been uh, writing about fantasy sports since the, uh, the mid to late 90s. Um, wow. Okay. You know, just started off blogging away and... Uh, you know, I was just doing it for fun. Uh, I've been playing fantasy sure. sports. Actually, I think I first started in the, uh, probably in like the mid to late eighties. Uh, a friend of mine. Okay. So did I. Got, yeah. Uh, 85 was my first football year. Yeah. So we got, uh, we started off with baseball. He got us, uh, pretty heavily into that. And, uh, so yeah, that's, that's where it all started. And then I, I guess I started writing about it. You know, I was reading some stuff on sites, uh, you know, when the internet exploded and everything was just. Sure. You know, the fantasy sports industry just completely blew up. You know, I was looking at some stuff and 
said, well, you know what? I, I can kind of do that. I can keep going there and uh, offer some advice. I was winning leagues. So that that's kind of how it all began. And then I guess, jeez, uh, I don't know, maybe uh, eight, ten years, I started to just kind of plot away, work for Rotowire, uh, worked for a number of different sites, Fangraphs. Uh, was another highlight, and then uh, and then I started working for Fantasy Alarm about five years ago. Uh, just working, okay. doing uh, doing some columns, weekly columns for them, and then uh, took the managing editor job uh, last year when uh, when the company started to to blow up a little bit and start busting out. Right, right. And that's Jeff Manns, right? He's uh, the main guy at that one. Jeff Manns, the uh, the top dog. Uh, he and Ted Schuster right. are on uh, Sirius XM Radio together. Um, right. And then Ray, Ray Flowers came on board uh, as well. Todd Zola uh, jumped on board also. And, uh, yeah, I mean, the site's Lord been going Zola. great. We've Very been nice. doing a ton of stuff, uh, <laughs> you know, really, really jumping headfirst into the daily fantasy aspect with the, uh, with right. the Fantasy Alarm DFS uh, Playbook Pro, um, which I do the uh, the pitching column for. Crazy, you know. I mean, it's just it's, it's a ton of stuff. So yeah. In addition to that, then yeah. I also do my show on Sirius. Uh, I work for Sirius as well. I do the uh, Sunday night from seven to ten Eastern uh, with Ray Flowers okay. and Kyle Elfrink. And then I also host the Fantasy Alarm podcast every Wednesday night. We record right here on Blog Talk Radio. There you go. Good, good plug. Well, like I said, Howard, you're uh, definitely one of those uh, elite guys out there in the world that uh, has gotten uh, to a much higher point than many of us have gotten to. Um, you know, I'm just happy to have my own little podcast here. And uh, <laughs> But I was with Roto Experts for a while, and they let me have a whole 15 minutes to be on every Friday morning for a couple of seasons. But uh, like I said, getting your own show, that's, that's a big deal. I just saw Mike Clay uh, from Pro Football Focus. Uh, he now has his own show, I think, uh, 10 a morning. So uh, someday, like I said. It'll, it, we'll have to wait and see. But uh, thank you for coming on tonight. Um, I thought tonight we would focus on, since you know, I'm kind of doing this because of your email earlier in the week, uh, you're, you've created this thing called the Mock Draft Army, which I think is really cool. Why don't you tell us a little bit about it, and then let's start talking about the importance of, of mock drafts um, and why it's more of a big deal than maybe it was 10, 15, maybe even five years ago. I don't remember the mock drafting being such a, a, a prominent thing, but I think it's becoming more and more important. But talk about the mock draft army. I'm going to try and be involved in some of these, but what you're doing and how, how you think it'll help fantasy players out there. Listen, there's no better way. I mean, listen, you, you, can, you can gain all the knowledge you want. You can know the players. You can know their systems. You can know their coaching tendencies, everything that, that goes into the actual game of football. But – if you don't know how to take that knowledge and implement it into your draft, well, it's going to be a long season for you. So, you know, for me, the mock draft is, is the best way to not only just kind of help you test out a, a bunch of different strategies. One of the things that a lot of people do in mock drafts, which always kills me, and I always try to stress this when I, you know, do my write-ups, is that you need to do a, a bunch of different mock drafts. And when you do that, you need to switch up your strategy each time. You can't sit right. there and say, okay, I want to try, you know, uh, I just want, you know, I want wide receiver, wide receiver, wide receiver as my first three picks. And then you just keep mocking with that same strategy. It doesn't work right. like that. You know, you need to really test things out, try some things, and, and just see what works best for you. Right. Um, so in addition to and that, I, you also 
What's that? Oh, no, go ahead. I was going to say, in addition to that, uh, you know, I, uh, trying to think of what I was, oh, so, you know, as, as far as testing out different strategies is important there, but also, I mean, there's just no better way to get public perception of players. You might love a right. guy. You know, you might love Kevin Coleman this year and think that right. Kevin Coleman's going to steal the job from Devonta Freeman and he's going to be a beast this year. But what you're doing is you're kind of also elevating him in your mind. And so while right. he might be, let's say, the 12th running back on your list, he might be the 20th running back on everybody else's list. So you could right. end up overdrafting him uh, if you keep t- taking it. So what I like to do also in mocks is I like to avoid players that I really love just so I can see where they fall to. And that's, right. you know, that's really the key. That's the, the public perception aspect. I think the other thing that mock drafts are really, really important for um, are those leagues where you do not know your draft position until you show up to the draft. Um, because yeah. that is where people usually falter badly. Um, they, Like you said, they go in with a preconceived notion of, okay, in the first round, I want this guy. Well, that's fine if you have picks one through four, but if you have pick nine and you really want Jamal Charles, you probably aren't going to get Jamal Charles by pick nine. <laughs> you might get lucky, but I doubt it. So that's why you have to have that, you know, go in there and go in like a mock draft place, whether it's mock draft central or whatever, or look at mock drafts and say, okay, if I have number nine pick, then I'm going to go this direction and I'm going to pick one of these four players here that I think will fall there because their ADP says they'll be around there. Now things will happen. And you know, as well as I do, we've been doing this for so long. You go in with a preconceived notion that Jamal Charles is not going to be available. So you think, okay, I'm going to, pick Des Bryant or Odell Beckham or, you know, or Antonio Brown or whatever. And then Jamal Charles does fall to you. So now all of a sudden, okay, now I did get that guy I wanted. Um, so now what am I going to do? Because it looks like they picked a bunch of wide receivers early. Now I got to think different strategies. So like you said, being prepared for those certainly makes your life easier as a, as a fantasy owner and a drafter, especially if you're going in with no idea what spot you're going to pick. Now, if you know the spot, that makes it a little bit easier. But like you said, you still have to do different scenarios of who's going to fall to that spot and what happens if this guy just somehow goes to the spot. You know, what if everybody doesn't like Le'Veon Bell's suspension and it doesn't get reduced and now you're sitting at six or seven and Bell's going to be sitting there? What happens if you do take him? How would you adjust your draft to that? Are you going to take D'Angelo Williams a little bit later? When are you going to have to get him? Because you know somebody's going to screw you over and try and grab him. So <laughs> I think that's a lot of the stuff, too, depending on your draft style, the draft uh, uh, picks, when you know, know them, whether it's before or right before with no prep for that. I think that's where those mock drafts come into play as well. Do you agree? I do agree. I do. But one of the things that I can't stress enough, and, and I actually – this is the – probably the primary reason that I started the mock draft army is that you go out, you can do a bunch of mocks. Um, and I'm not going to belittle, you know, the big boys in the industry here, but right. you know, you go to, you go to mocks on, uh, on ESPN, you go to Yahoo and, and let's face facts. You get guys that you get rooms that don't fill up. So all of a sudden now you're looking at, you know, eight people and four computer players. And then right. on top of that, then you've got guys who will draft, 
you know, four or five rounds and then leave the draft because that's all they were interested in was, was doing that. Uh, so right. all of a sudden now the ADP that's, that's being generated on that website um, is nothing more than just a, an extension of the, the draft site rankings. Um, right. No, I, yeah, you're you know, right. And that's something that, that I, I definitely, you know, want people to be aware of. So, you know, what I do here in the mock draft army, uh, not only am I filling half the room with industry experts, the other half with readers, listeners, so that you can pick the experts' brains, but mm-hmm. everybody that, that joins one of these drafts is required to be present at the entire draft. So just right. 15 mm-hmm. rounds for football, just make your picks, be sensible about it, enjoy the conversation that goes up, uh, and, and learn from it. So that when right. I develop my, when I do my ADP, you know that that ADP is generated by people and it's not generated uh, by a draft site ranking. Right, or a computer system, right? No, no exactly. So talk about, you, you talked a little bit about the mock draft army. So are, is there a spot where people can go see it on the website or are you going to be doing articles from the drafts and then talk about who picked what and when? Uh, I do it all, actually. I, I, do, okay. uh, I, I run probably about four or five drafts per week. Um, okay. And then I gather up the ADP data, and I'll put an article up on fantasyalarm.com. But if you follow me on Twitter, at RotoBuzzGuy, I tweet out the link to the live draft board so that you can, if you're not participating in the draft, you can pop in and you can see live how everybody's drafting. So, right. uh, you know, okay. I just follow me on Twitter, at RotoBuzzGuy, and then... Uh, if you want to join, obviously hit me up uh, via email, rotobuzzguy at gmail.com. And you have one of those drafts happening tonight at 9, if I'm not mistaken. You might even be in the middle of one now, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> uh, I'm but I know you have one tonight at 9, right? Yeah, I've actually got two, uh, two PPR, 12-team PPR drafts going on uh, at 9 Eastern right now. And we're actually in the middle uh, in the 10th round of a 12-team uh, non-PPR as we speak. Nice. Good. And both of your 9 o'clocks are full? Both of my 9 o'clocks are full, but every okay. Sunday night I put out a schedule, four, five, sometimes even six mock drafts available right. to you. Okay. Um, and then you get that email, and then you just email me back. You say, I want to join this one. I want to join that one. It's all a first-come, yep. first-served basis. Yeah. And I, like I said, I will definitely be joining in some had a lot of things just didn't match up well enough for your times, but uh, definitely in the, in, on the coming weeks, I will definitely be involved. So, so let's talk a little bit about, uh, let, let's focus on a normal, I, I'll call it a normal league, 12 teams, uh, 10, I think is too small. 14, I think is too big. It, you can vote, you can go either way, but uh, 12 team uh, PPR. Um, let's talk a little bit. So have you done any of those this week? What are you seeing trend-wise in those in those mock drafts? I mean, is there anything that's really jumping at you right now? Guys are going higher than you thought, lower than you thought. Um, you know, I've seen things where Antonio Brown's going first overall. I've seen where Gronk's gone first overall. Um, you know, it's kind of a mishmash with Le'Veon Bell suspension hanging still at three games. Uh, what are you seeing at some of those spots? Well, so far right now, I mean, we just kind of we just started this up actually yesterday. So, okay. uh, but I've done a I've done a bunch of mocks uh, before already. So, talking twelve team PPR, uh, a couple of things that I've noticed. Uh, 
How about Calvin Johnson not going until like the middle of the second round? That's a, that, that's a big one. Um, mm-hmm. Gronk is still going, uh, you know, late first round, which to me, obviously, I think it's too high. I'd never want to take a tight end that early. Um, Le'Veon Bell's suspension is affecting his draft position, but not really that much, actually. Le'Veon Bell's suspension, uh, the lowest I've seen him go right now, uh, probably the eighth or ninth pick in the first round okay. overall. The big one that, that you see dropping like a stone is Tom Brady. Tom Brady with his suspension up in the air right now. Uh, mm-hmm. He went in the 11th round of a non-PPR uh, draft yesterday and then went in the 12th round in the PPR draft yesterday. So, you yeah, know, people are starting not, to pay more attention for the guy. <laughs> well, I mean, how, how, do you, how do you show some love to a guy who could theoretically miss a quarter of, you know, or right. a third oh, yeah. of, your, of your regular season in fantasy? I, you know, people are like, oh, yeah, but it doesn't matter because he's going to be great and whatever. But, yeah, you start off 0-4, that's a pretty big hole to dig out of. Well, and I think the biggest thing was Brady really, from a fantasy standpoint, hasn't been that great over the last couple of years, three years. Um, he's good. He'll have some big games, but like from a consistency standpoint on the system that I track, he's last year was like around 56%. I mean, that's not very good for a guy that is supposed to be, you know, an elite quarterback. And he is from a Super Bowl winning standpoint. But fantasy-wise, I think his days are done. That, you know, I, I haven't drafted him in years. Um, you know, heck, the league that I drafted in the other night, he went in the 10th round, but he was he was picked as the backup quarterback. The guy already had Peyton Manning. Yeah. <laughs> so I was like, oh, okay. Yeah. Um, and that's uh, yeah, fine, be, but, you know. Dangerous. It'd be dangerous if they just got him a wide receiver. He'd be okay again. You get him somebody yeah. better than Brandon LaFell and Julian Edelman, and, I, you know, I pushed – Brady right back into the elite. Oh, yeah. No, definitely. I mean, if he would have gotten, yeah, anybody could have uh, went there. Or if they got anybody in the draft that had potential. But, but you know, they that they win championships without it. And that's all that matters to them. So, like I said, the Patriots care are one of the definitely could care less teams that about your fantasy league. <laughs> that's for sure. Bill Belichick uh, running back situation is always one that uh, – Nobody ever wants to take a chance on drafting because you just don't know what's going to be back there or what you're going to throw out there. But they win football games, and that's all they care about. So um, interesting stuff. Um, what about the, the top two quarterbacks going uh, in your mock draft so far? Andrew Luck, Aaron Rodgers. Uh, Luck, second round, normally I'm seeing. Aaron Rodgers, late second, early third, mid third. Is that what you're seeing in most of your drafts this year as well, the mocks you've seen? Yeah, that's a- yeah, that's exactly what I'm seeing. Andrew Luck, uh, you know, can go anywhere from the beginning to the end of the of the second round, just depending on who you're drafting with. Uh, and then, right. yeah, Rodgers, actually, he fell to middle of the third round in the draft that I'm doing right now. And you know, I think, right. listen, I think that that's a, a pretty reasonable spot uh, to take him. I'm not, you know, a huge fan of drafting quarterbacks too early, um, right. and especially yeah. with the way that, that – running back and wide receiver, they really thin out after the first three or four rounds, surprisingly. And not surprisingly, but, I mean, when, once you get to the fifth or sixth round and you're looking for a running back or a wide out, it's not that pretty. No. No, it's not. In fact, um, I, are you one – I don't I don't remember, and I haven't looked at all the other leagues. Um, uh, Tuesday night, I was in one of the pros versus Joes for FFPC. 
Are you in any of those? Do they? I no, I'm not in any of those. Okay. <laughs> so, but it's it's a weird setup. So you really can't look at it and go, okay, this is a typical 12 team PPR. It is 12 teams. It is PPR, but you get one and a half points for, per reception for tight ends. You draft 28 rounds. There's no trades. There's no waivers. There's no dropping. It's you're locked. And then it does total points, but best ball total points each week. So best quarterback, oh, okay. best two running backs, best two receivers, two flexes, which can be tight ends, uh, kicker defense. So in a way it's 12 team PPR, but the reason I brought all that up was, um, I had the number one pick overall. I took Antonio Brown, but just because you just, he, sure. he never let you down always. And Gronk went second because of the one and a half PPR. When it came back to the beginning, end of the second round, I, kind of looked at my situation and said, okay, I love Justin Forsett this year. He was still available as a 12th running back. So tw 11 running backs have been drafted by that time, just to show you how fast running backs are going. So I took <laughs> Forsett, and I was okay with it. What I made the mistake was thinking that I could get a good running back, good running back, not great running back, good running back, because that's all that's left at that point. Jeremy Hill, Andre Ellington, you know, Spiller, uh, you know, blah, blah, blah. So I took a, t a wide receiver, T.Y. Hilton. Now I have Brown and Hilton and Forsett. I, I like those three. I assumed one of those guys, one solid running back, would make it back to me. And then I watered <laughs> explode with running backs. So here was the running backs that went before I got back to me at the end of the fourth round. Jeremy Hill, Carlos Hyde, Frank Gore, Lamar Miller, Latavius Murray, C.J. Andre Ellington, Mark Ingram, TJ Yeldon, and Giovanni Bernard. I'm done. I have nothing to pick now. I'm looking at Jonathan Stewart, Alfred Morris, Joseph Randall, uh, Todd Gurley. I, 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 nothing. I, I wanted none of them. So I ended up taking another wide receiver, and I ended up later taking the uh, PPR trio of Danny Woodhead, Reggie Bush, and Darren Sproles in later rounds. And I'm okay with that but I was crushed to watch every one of those running backs go off that board. And like you said, it, it's one thing if, if, if there's one thing that I'm noticing, you said it too, is that you have to be careful with the running backs that you want, or I, I get a range of ones that you want and take them as soon as you can. Because if you don't, you're going to get stuck with a Jonathan Stewart or an Alfred Morris or a Todd Gurley. And you have, what to expect from them now you might get lucky Gurley might be a stud running back I, I don't know I mean he was in college he has the potential he has the talent but he's at the Rams I mean there's just a lot of question marks you know if he went to a team like the Saints or the Packers difference but being in St. Louis eh, I really don't know much um <laughs> you know so I I take it that's what you're seeing in these in these mocks is that you kind of really have to ballpark maybe 20 running backs. And in the first three rounds, if you don't get two of them, you may get stuck scrambling and taking chances on guys like Danny Woodhead or Bush or Sproles or, you know, um, Ryan Matthews or LeGarrette Blunt or Isaiah Crowell. And 
I don't want to take that chance. And, and I kicked myself after that happened. I was like, oh, you idiot. Because I could have easily taken this guy like Jeremy Hill there or, you know, or Lamar Miller and been perfectly happy with that and could have gotten still a good second wide receiver. And I didn't. And I was just like, oh, that's so stupid. But, you yeah, know, I had never problem. been in this league. <laughs> I'd never been in this format. So I just assumed in a typical 12 team PPR that they would fall and they did. So. Yeah, that was like uh, that was like the first time I ever did a two two quarterback league, and mm. uh, and and quarterbacks were flying off the board right from the get go, and I was like, oh, oh I'm going to be psyched with my my running backs and my running backs, and I you know ended up with like uh, Joe Flacco and and I think uh, <laughs> oh man somebody somebody equally disgusting. I, I it could have right. been Josh yeah. McCown, you know. I, might as well have been Josh McCown and Sam Bradford, you know, something ugly right. like that. So, yeah, it's yeah. definitely learn, knowing the rules of your league and knowing that scoring system is huge for your draft. Right. Talk to guys, though, and, and, I, and if I would could play devil's advocate with, with the mock drafting is I can't use mock drafts because you don't know how goofy my – my league what do you say to them <laughs> well and i've been league, in these leagues and I, you're laughing which tells me you've been in those leagues of course of course listen you know the beauty of, of leagues like that though is that these are like these are chances are is that these are a lot of your buddies and you know these guys and you sit and talk to these guys right. regularly and and you they're know who they're high on right yeah you know you know who they're high on who they're not high on the thing about it is is that what I'm trying to do here with the mock draft army and with mock drafts is to establish a quality ADP for, uh, for, for, uh, to use as a tool. ADP is not, right. uh, you know, it's not a set of rankings. It's just, it's a loose guideline and saying that right. these guys in this range, this tier of linebacks, they're going in the fourth round. They're going in the fifth round. That's what you kind of have to watch out for. You can't just right. go by ADP rankings and be like, Oh, okay. Well, ADP says, you know, uh, 82 is Charles Sims, so I'm going to take Charles Sims, you know, with that pick. No, it doesn't really work that way. Right. No, that's a great answer, and that's what I was hoping you'd say. Um, but I've heard that from people, and I kind of chuckle like, yeah, I get it. But, you know, it's it, like you said, the key is, is don't bottle yourself in to certain players, uh, certain groups of players. You know, don't be a homer. Um, it's okay to like to draft your players. I live in the Cleveland area, so I don't have to worry about that problem. Oh, I won't draft God. any players. I know. I live <laughs> well, in Canton, Ohio. You? At least I have the hall. <laughs> Dude, that is At least I have the hall of fame to go to. <laughs> if you've listened to me on Sirius <laughs> on Sundays, you know how I feel about the city of Cleveland and its team. <laughs> Just a nightmare, Bob. I don't know how you do it. Yeah, no, I... I've lived here for 51 years and it all, um, you know, everybody kept when the Cavs were, you know, on their run there and they're like, are you watching the game? I'm like, no, they're like, why not? Aren't you, don't you love, don't you like the Cavs? Oh, I love the Cavs. Aren't you going to watch the game? I go, no. Do you realize how much depression I've went through in my lifetime of watching Cleveland teams and championships and then watch them blow it? I really mentally and physically can't handle the can't handle it. I said, somebody call me when they're winning by 30 points with a minute left 
to win the championship. I'll turn the game on so I can live in that moment. But beyond that, don't even call me. <laughs> I don't even want to see it. Because <laughs> I've I been through the fumble a- and the drive, and I've watched them all live, and I've been crushed, you know, by the Indians and, you know, the Cavs with the Bulls. And, oh, don't even have enough time in the day and enough uh, Zoloft to get through it. Um, <laughs> so, yeah. So, like I said, I don't have to worry about drafting any Browns. Uh, other fans in our area. So, I'll, I'll hear that from them. You know, well, you know, Le'Veon Bell and Aaron Tony Brown the best. You're right. They are. I, I'm not going to agree. But then they'll also go like, so you think I should like get Martavius Bryant in the second round, you know, to go along with Antonio? Like, n- no. Why would you do that? Well, I, he, he's awesome. Why would you draft? Yeah, he had some good games, but, you know, you could get Martavius Bryant in 13th round. Um, but you'll have people like that. You know, I just kind of chuckle like, oh, okay, you need a lot of help. Um <laughs> but uh, um, let's talk about a few players that are kind of all over the place. Not necessarily ADP-wise, because ADP averages it. But I've seen thoughts on both ends and and um, people who just don't believe in the person at all or people are like super, super high. I think the first one that comes to a lot of people's minds right now is Adrian Peterson. Um, you know, I'm on the... I just don't trust him train. And I know a lot of people who are driving the, he's number one. He's the best. He's been out a year. He's rested. He's focused. He's ready to go. And I'm on the, I think he could care less about the Vikings. I think he just wants to go out there, play a few games, maybe have some big games early. And then it wouldn't surprise me if he just decides that, you know, he's quote injured and doesn't play the rest of the year and just collects his money. Wow. Wow, Be that as may, I, where where do you think, where are people drafting him? What are your thoughts on Adrian Peterson this year? Uh, so far, I, where are they drafting him? They're drafting him in the first round. The lowest I've seen him right. drop to is uh, is tenth in a twelve team league. Really? That's, um, that's a low. Yeah, that's, that's very low. I haven't seen him past five yet. Yeah, I, listen. I I actually I'm on the I'm on the bandwagon for Adrian Peterson. I do like him. I do agree that he is rested for a full year without injury. Uh, and I I think that you know people are underestimating the chip on his shoulder right now. He's very unhappy um, with Minnesota, uh, and he's very unhappy with the way the team handled uh, everything and that they didn't support him in any way, shape, or form. Um, and you know, whatever, that's just, that's, that's a money game because when sponsors back right. out, I mean, what else is the team supposed to do? Right. But I think Peterson comes in like a house of fire this year. And I think that he is worth a, a top three draft pick. And, uh, okay. I, I, listen, I love the way this guy runs. He catches passes out of the backfield. This is, this is what Teddy Bridgewater and the, and the Vikings really needed last year to, to be able to have Bridgewater take that next step forward. Uh, without a solid ground game to really fall back on, it's tough for a rookie quarterback to really uh, kind of do his own thing without feeling the pressure that he's got to do more than he actually is being asked to do. So I think right. that Peterson comes in. I think that he dominates with carries. I think they give him, you know, 25 carries minimum per game. And I think he runs like a beast. I love him. All season. All season long. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> I don't know why I'm I'm the conspiracy theorist on this, but I just I don't know. I just feel I like he's gonna. 
I don't know what his contract and, looks like right now, but right. you know, I, I think that if he's if he's at the tail end of his contract, and I know he's thirty, uh, and I know what happens right. with running backs when they hit that age, right. but I think it, he thinks that if he can go and get another like a two or three year deal beyond where he's at right now, he can't crap out on the team and he can't quit on the team. So that's why I think his motivation lasts throughout the season. Okay. See, I thought he had a couple more years left. That's why I didn't yeah, think I he was going to, you know, but anyway. All righty. No, fair enough. All right. Odell Beckham Jr. I've seen him as draft <laughs> as high as drafted number one receiver, not number one overall, number one receiver drafted o- overall. Um, I've seen him go into the second round, middle second round is the lowest I've seen. Um, where are you seeing it, and what are your thoughts on Odell? Uh, tail end of the first round, early second round, I have seen him go off as the number one wide receiver uh, off the board. I don't necessarily, I don't agree with that. I mean, listen, I, I think that, that Odell Beckham is a phenomenal, phenomenal talent. Right. But you kind of need to rein things in. He was a, a phenomenal talent last year, and nobody saw him coming. Uh, right. And so, you know, once all of a sudden he shows up for week five, uh, it's a totally different Giants offense. It's a totally different structure, you know. No Victor Cruz, and now you've got Odell Beckham in there. So, you know, I think that he kind of took the league by surprise last year. I think he's going to draw a significant amount of more coverage this year. Yep. But okay. I still think that he excels because the Giants do have good surrounding. You know, Victor Cruz is hopefully going to be healthy. Ruben Randall took a step forward. Larry Dinell is a good, solid red zone target there for uh, for Eli. So I think that, that Odell Beckham is going to probably see the majority of targets. I could see him seeing, you know, at least a dozen targets per game. He's going to do well. But because between the hamstring injury recurring again – because he's mm-hmm. been, you know, gimped up here in the uh, in the off season. Between that hamstring injury, the added coverage, the lack of surprise, um, I, I just I can't put him. I can't put him ahead of Demarius Thomas or Des Bryant. Um, I right. can't put him ahead of Julio Jones. I can't. You know, I, I have a hard time putting him ahead of Jordy Nelson. Uh, even yeah. though I, you know, uh-huh. I, I probably would take him before Jordy Nelson uh, in any draft, PPR or non PPR. Right. Yeah, I'm with you on that one, too. I mean, you know, I in my book, um, you know, Beckham, it showed that last year that Beckham was 92% consistent in his games he played. Um, but I agree with you. If I, 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 There's just too much consistency uh, history with Bryant, Thomas, Jones, Nelson, uh, Antonio Brown, those kind of guys that I just can't draft Beckham before one of those. Now, if I'm end of the 11 you know end of the first round and i can pick you know antonio brown or thomas or bryant and then get beckham in the second round if he's at my number two guy i'm giddy but normally that doesn't happen you know unless you get lucky enough that you get him at 12 you can get him at 12 and one and you you know you're not gonna get blocked by somebody but usually whoever gets gets him whoever drafts him Draft somebody in the first round usually isn't going to get him by the second round uh, unless they just get really lucky or you're in one of those dumb leagues like we've played him before. Um, but yeah, I just just wondered where things were falling for him. Um, another guy, let's go to the tight end side. Um, Graham, um, you know, there's a lot of uh, again, kind of both sides being bounced around. 
Uh, Jimmy Graham's not in New Orleans, so he's not going to be as productive. Uh, he's going to Seattle, which is a run, you know, offense first. Um, but then I've heard arguments that, you know, well, that that's why they got him so that they can use him more and he will be just as productive. And, you know, they can do more play action pass with Lynch and throw over the middle to Graham. And um, so, you know, I've seen again Jimmy kind of floating uh, middle second round. I've seen him float to the third round uh, in a non PPR. Where are you seeing him? What are your thoughts on him? so far or what are you thinking about him and as you go into the drafts in 2015 i feel like a lot of people are still viewing jimmy graham as if he were in new orleans right now or at least that okay. that the, the seahawks offense is going to change their ways a little bit and, and incorporate him more that's that's what i'm seeing i, I okay. think that's completely off base uh I agree. one of the things <laughs> that you know i mean let's face facts they don't have any other receivers what is doug baldwin uh, mm-hmm. You know, I mean, Jermaine Curse, I mean, yeah. Jermaine Curse. Yeah. I mean, these guys are all a bunch of bunch of tomato cans, as far as I go with uh, with wide receivers. So, you know, if the defensive coverage is going to say, okay, well, we got to make sure that we've got one guy on Graham the entire time, and we don't let him, you know, bust out on that right. team route that he loves so much, then we can do that. But I think that listen, Seattle again, run first team, always have been, always will be. They can, they, you know, they love running the options still with, with Wilson. Uh, right. Marshawn Lynch signed on for two years, and they're not paying him two years to do <laughs> less work. They're, you know, right. that's just that's bottom line. So I think what they're going to end up doing is, is that, yes, will Jimmy Graham be a decent red zone, uh, right. red zone target? Yes, I think he will be. But I don't know how much work he's really going to get between the 20s here. Um, and, right. you know, it could end up being looking very similar to, like, what Julius Thomas was doing with Denver last year, where he was getting a bunch of touchdowns, but there was no work between the 20s. There was no yardage game. Right. Uh, the other thing somebody brought up, and I thought it was a good, and I forget who it was, so I, I apologize if that person's listening. Um, they mentioned about the fact that Jimmy Graham doesn't block. So once they no. get within the <laughs> 20, especially if they get within the five, if Jimmy Graham's in there, he's going to be blocking for Marshawn Lynch. You assume he's going to get thrown to. So then all of a sudden now it's your, your offense is predictable. Um, now, again, they can go the other way and follow the blockers on the other side while Graham maybe, you know, splits out. But basically, he, if he's on the line at the five-yard line, he's probably not going to be blocking. They're not going to be running towards him. So now he's not even a decoy. He's, you know, going to actually, you know, hinder the, the situation. So yeah, that was a good point somebody brought up. And I kind of like, oh, yeah, I guess – Never thought about it because, again, he always he he never blocked and but they didn't really have the running game like that either down in New Orleans um, because they always threw the ball to Graham or Colson or somebody in the end zone. So uh, I thought that was an interesting thing uh, as well. I don't know if you if you had any thoughts on that. Um, uh, yeah, I mean, listen, I, I feel the exact same way as far as Graham goes. I think that uh, you know, I mean, had had Seattle made a move and brought in at least one other receiver. Um, You know, I think it would be a different story, but I I think that Seattle has no reason to change the structure of their offense right now. And maybe they've got one extra passing target here who's nice, but, you know, I just don't see them focusing their offense around it. Right. No, good point. All right. Let's stay at tight end for, for a little bit. 
Um, because I want to bring up this guy who I liked. And in my book, I mentioned I liked him as a sleeper. But I wrote my book, most of my stuff, back in April and May when the draft was going on. Because when I'm writing about consistency, I, I of course, I'm basing on history. Um, but I'll say, you know, here's a guy I think is up and coming. He should be a sleeper. And, and I think he would be good value if you get him in the you know mid rounds. And the guy I'm talking about is Travis Kelsey. Um, he had a nice season last year as a rookie. Um, he was about 65% consistent, which is good for a tight end. Uh, he was up in the top five consistency wise, um, you know, had a really nice rookie season for a tight end. But this kid has been drafted as the third tight end overall somewhere in the I've seen him as high as third round, fourth and fifth round, um, fourth round sometimes. But he's right there beside Greg Olson. Greg Olson is a consistent God when it comes to tight ends. You know what you get out of him. You know what you're going to, you know, you can draft him with confidence that he's going to give you the same type year every year, 70 catches, you know, maybe six, eight touchdowns, but he gets that consistency per game. He gets the six catches, 60 yards, earns a quality game, gets his 12 points and moves on. Travis Kelsey plays in Kansas city with Alex Smith, at quarterback. Yes, they have Macklin that might help him actually. Um, but I just, I can't personally draft Travis Kelsey that high when I can draft Greg Olson at the same time if I wanted to or wait for Jason Witten, Martellus Bennett, uh, Delaney Walker, you know, one of those guys. What are you seeing in your mock drafts for Travis Kelsey and what are your thoughts on Travis this season? Uh, you know, what I'm seeing so far in mock drafts is exactly what you're, you're saying. Exactly what okay. you're saying is that people people have elevated him uh, quite a bit. People were super high on him last year, and he, you know he really fell short uh, as far as expectations went. I think everybody was kind of overvaluing him a lot last season. So when you're talking about him this season, I mean you made you made the great point that Jeremy Macklin, his presence should help Travis Kelsey. And let's face facts: Alex Smith, he can't throw the ball downfield, but Jeremy right. Macklin is still going to end up drawing significant amount of coverage. Obviously, they can't. Right. You know, you know, go head first into the pass defense because of Jamal Charles there. But right. Macklin will draw some coverage. Smith can't throw deep. I think that that works very well for Kelsey. I think it works very well for the tight end position uh, in Kansas City. So I do think that he'll see more targets this year than he did last year. I think they have to utilize him, uh, you know, a little bit more consistently. But you know, I'll. I'm with you. I'll take Greg Olson. I'll take Martellus Bennett over uh, over Travis Kelsey any day of the year because they are proven talent, and I am all about proven right. talent over youth and upside. Right. Well, you should write for FF Consistent because <laughs> that's pretty much what I'm promoting when I'm doing is showing you know these these veteran players who are consistent year after year, game after game. These are the guys you should draft. I mean, and and. So many times people ask me about, well, what about the upside of this guy? What about the upside of that guy? And I'm like, okay, it's there, but I've got stuff that proves I'm not worried about that because I'm going to get Olsen or Bennett, who I know is going to give me 65 70% consistency in games um, throughout the season. Kelsey could be 70 75%, maybe if he has a great season, but he could also be 50 and because he's only played one year. Um, you know, and so I, I, I don't have anything other than one year. It's, it's kind of like Beckham Jr. You know, why would teams now not focus more on Kelsey 
because really all they have to focus on is Macklin and Kelsey. You can let the, whoever the, the second wide receiver, which I don't even know if I can name in Kansas City, um, they're not going to worry about at all. So they'll just kind of focus their defense around those two guys and see if Smith can beat beat their team with Jamal Charles and, you know, which Jamal Charles can do it. But, uh, again, you know, it, it's – I agree with you. I, I think Kelsey's a little bit too hyped. You know, if he was the going in the sixth round, I'd wait for him and I'd draft him, not in the third round and not ahead of Olsen oh. or Martellus Bennett. So, all right. Um, let's see. Weather guy – has been kind of all over the place. Um, anybody you can think of? I'm just kind of looking. Well, oh, let's go, to, I'll, let's go. I'll tell there's a there's a little block of wide receivers that I've completely fallen in love with because okay. you know I, I I still believe in in you know that that the game is a young man's game and that age sure. and experience do take you far, but. You can't ignore certain things. And there's that little block of receivers that consists of Kelvin Benjamin, DeAndre Hopkins. Uh, who is the other one? Kelvin Benjamin, DeAndre Hopkins, uh, Brandon Cooks is another okay. one. And, then, and, and those guys, I see those guys, they're going in very sensible spots right now. They're all going in like the fourth round, fifth, you know, late fourth, early fifth, like in that area. What I think that everybody needs to watch out for, and, you know, mock drafts, again, a great way to see this, is just how high they're going to end up being elevated. Because if these guys all of a sudden start getting drafted, uh, you know, ahead of running backs, because people are obviously receiver crazy, PPR league crazy, um, right. that, that if these guys start elevating a little bit more, I love all three of them, but if they're going ahead of a lot of consistent running backs, then I've got a little bit of an issue. Right. All right. Actually, that's one of the guys that one of those guys is a guy that I, it just, you said you love him. I just will. I refuse to draft this kid. And that is Deandre Hopkins. Now, first off, let me be the first to say that Deandre Hopkins, an amazing talent, a wide receiver. When your starting quarterback couldn't make it for the Cleveland Browns, and I realize it could end up being Ryan Mallett and not Brian Hoyer, but Ryan Mallett has played three or four games in the NFL total. I just can't draft DeAndre Hopkins at all. I just cannot. Well, let, let me ask so you. So talk me, me off the ledge, Howard. Why, why would I... Why do you still believe DeAndre Hopkins can be successful with those one of those two guys at quarterback um, in Houston? If memory serves, did did the Browns not start off four and one last year with Brian Hoyer? <laughs> so you yes, know did. Brian Hoyer with with you know wow I, I almost threw some bad language out there, but I, I won't because I don't you know. <laughs> Don't want to offend anybody, but with the okay. crap, with the crap wide receivers that Brian Hoyer had, he was still getting the job done. He was actually a relatively stable quarterback. He was he was a little bit better than a game manager, um, and I think that he was doing well. What screwed him up was the return. Was was not only was it was it Mike Tetton's stupid 
oh, you know, whichever the best running back is on Tuesday, that's who's going to start for me. So with no consistency right. in the ground game whatsoever, and then the return of Josh Gordon, where they turned around, they were like, okay, Brian, just uh, throw it to Gordon 20 times a game right now. Just keep feeding Gordon the ball, and that's all we're going to do. When you start changing up that kind of a game plan for your starting quarterback, and you basically said you're, you're useless except just throw it to Josh Gordon. He's our only playmaker. I think that kind of screwed up a lot of things for the Browns last year, and I think that that kind of screwed up uh, Brian Hoyer. I think that Brian right. Hoyer is uh, a step above a game manager, like I said, probably like a, right. you know, like a, like, a, like a Matt Schaub type guy when Schaub was actually young and, and actually vibrant. So I think that with with uh, with no Andre Johnson screaming and pissing and moaning like a crybaby in the uh, you know downfield, right? Uh, and DeAndre Hopkins is the uh, is the primary receiver. They put a couple of guys you know in there around him, throwing a, an okay they tight end in Garrett Graham. Right. I think Hopkins isn't too bad. I you know I'm I'm still yeah, on him. But I is he, he's good talent. And and I'm not saying he's not bad. I'm just saying. His ADP has him at wide receiver 14. So you're, I mean, and I'm just looking at a, you know, standard ADP. I don't know what's at. I'm looking at football guys. He's at wide receiver 14. Um, after him is Cooks at 15, Benjamin at 16, Jordan Matthews at 17, Edelman at 18, Andre Johnson at 19. Would you still draft Hopkins in front of, any of those five guys? See, I would not. I would, I would not draft him in front of Benjamin. I would not draft him in front of Cooks. If it were PPR, then I would not yeah, draft this is PPR. him. I would not draft him ahead of Edelman. Um, Andre but Johnson, I would. You would? Draft him, I would. I listen. I think that Andre okay. Johnson. I think he is going to. He's gonna. He's gonna look good in the beginning of the season. But I think his attitude is going to wear on the Colts. I think that, that okay. Andrew Luck already has that established rapport with both his tight ends and P.Y. Hilton. And I think that mm -hmm. uh, aside from the fact that, that Andre Johnson could just cry his way out of targets, I also believe that you know he's got weak hamstrings. And when was the last time this guy was like really, really healthy? Right. Okay. And And – Jordan Matthews, I, I probably would draft Hopkins in front of Matthews. I agree with you, not in front of Brooks, Cooks, Benjamin, Edelman. Um, Andre Johnson, it would be close. Um, but I guess what I'm, my point is is that Cooks as wide receiver, Hopkins at wide receiver 14 means he's going somewhere in the you know third round. If he went 20th, he might be going in the fourth or fifth round, and now I might be able to draft him as my wide receiver two, three, if I was really aggressive with wide receivers early on. Maybe I'd be okay there, but I just can't put him that close to, you know, San I mean, T.Y. Hilton's at 12, Emmanuel Sanders is at 13. I feel like after Emmanuel Sanders, there's a huge drop, and Hopkins is way too far off, in my opinion, based on where I think could happen. Now, again, can I be proved wrong? Certainly. We've all been proven wrong with some of our, our thoughts, but I just, I'm just i just scared to death of it. Um, and like you said, I'm going to draft any of those other guys or most of those other guys. Um, 
just because I ahead of them, just because I'm like, eh, I just, I just can't do it. But anyway, I just wondered what your thoughts were. Cause that's one of those guys again, that I'm kind of, you know, I've heard both sides of the story. I've heard both arguments and I, I still just because of that situation, if Matt Schaub was still there, I'd be okay. <laughs> that's how, that's how bad <laughs> I feel about the other two. Um, and I, and calling Matt Schaub vibrant, maybe the most understatement of the, the biggest understatement of the world. <laughs> <laughs> That's like saying Bill Belichick is vibrant. Well, come on. Before the before the Liz Frank fracture in his foot, you know, I thought Schaub yeah. was a uh, Schaub worked great for me for uh, for years as a as a quarterback. Oh, a fantasy player. I just meant I just meant personality wise. That's what I meant by vibrant. Oh, no, he was a good fantasy don't, player. Don't, don't get me years. started talking about don't get me started talking about personalities in the NFL because oh. <laughs> I mean, you, you have to add another hour to the show. <laughs> I'll bet. I'll bet. Um, so let's let's talk let's talk Browns for a minute. As much as you love Cleveland, if if by some stretch God's grace on Cleveland that they would he would tell the he would talk to the coach in a dream and say, Coach, you need give Isaiah Crowell 15 to 20 carries a game, stop screwing around with the hot foot of the week. Do you believe Crowell could be a good fantasy running back and a good RB2? I do, if he's, but I just if don't think it's going to happen. Yeah, if he's getting 15 if to 20 carries getting, a game. What's that? Yeah, if, 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 if the coach, if Coach Pettin came out and said, um, I've made a decision. I am not going to play that game this year. I'm not going to start Terrence West every other week. Um, I'm not going with a hot foot. Isaiah Crowell will get guaranteed 15, 20 carries, touches, whatever you want to call them, a game. Would you believe that Isaiah Crowell is RB2? I do. Yeah, I, I do. I definitely do. I mean, I yeah. also, you know, I mean, I'd love to, I would love to see that kind of consistency out of Patton. I just, you know, I don't think that he's got right. that, and it's also going no, to be I a matter of. Uh, it's also going to be a matter of how Duke Johnson performs, because even though Crowell's getting, let's say Crowell's getting 15 carries a game, if they give uh, right. if they give Duke Johnson, you know, seven to eight carries a game, and he starts, you know, busting out with uh, with his yards per carry average, you know, right. then again, then all of a sudden, then you have to you have to worry about that. But I mean, to start off the season. And if I'm talking about just drafting, if Tutton were to say that, then yes, I would bump Crowell up on my draft board uh, a lot higher. Right. Yeah, I would too. I, I just wonder your thoughts um, since it's the only Brown even worth talking about. Um, it's about two <laughs> oh, minutes to eight. Who's your Do you kicker? Have... <laughs> I don't even know who our kicker is. <laughs> I don't even I, – I, it's, it's terrible how much I care less about the Browns. I mean – um, I honestly don't know who is our kicker. I don't remember. <laughs> I just remember Phil Dawson being there for years, and then he left, and I was like, God, I don't even care about their kicker now. I used to draft their kicker. I love Phil Dawson. <laughs> um, let's go back to the quarterbacks. I want to talk about three of them and where you're seeing ADPs and your thoughts on them, and, and it's the grouping after the, the top two. Russell Wilson, he's Peyton Manning. Um, this is the first time 
I, I can even remember seeing Drew Brees and Peyton Manning being drafted outside of the second or third round or first round sometimes. Um, I'm seeing Brees and Manning going after Wilson. Um, Wilson has fluctuated between going fourth, fifth, or sixth round, uh, Manning and, and Brees fifth, sixth, seventh round. Depend Usually it's after Wilson goes is when those two will go because then people – think that, okay, I got to get one of those two because then I'm relying on Matt Ryan, Matthew Stafford, Cam Newton, I'm, I'm perfectly fine with Drew, with Drew Brees. If I can get success, I'm even more giddy because he was just as consistent last year. And I don't think, I think he's got a different scenario to throw to. I can't imagine that they're going to completely abandon Drew Brees, that they're going to run the ball, you know, 30, 40 times a game. Um, I think adding Spiller gives them the Darren Sproles they haven't had for a couple of years. Um, and so I just think he's just going to move those targets to Spiller, some more back to Colston. Brandon Cooks is, you know, good option. Um, you know, they're going to use Mark Ingram to be a power back, just like they did last year before he got hurt. Um, but I'm perfectly fine with drafting Breeze. Now, Manning, I love Manning, but I just – the end of last season scared me to death. Russell Wilson's a great player, but I still kind of like to, re I'd rather rely on Drew Brees being as good as Drew Brees than Russell Wilson being better than he was in the past. What are your thoughts? Where are you seeing him go? Um, if I'm going to rank the three of them, I'm probably going to go uh, Brees, Manning, Wilson. Uh, again, what we were talking oh, okay. about earlier, what we were talking about earlier is that Russell will, you know, Russell Wilson is in a, Run first offense, and you can't you can't tell me that that you know that, that the Seahawks are going to sign Russell Wilson to some big long term deal, and then they're going to be psyched about him running the ball as much as he possibly can. I think that they're going to want to pull that back a little bit and really focus more on Marshawn Lynch. You can't rely, and we've seen this with we saw this with Cam Newton, and we've even seen this with Russell Wilson. Um, the passing yards. Are, are, are not even remotely consistent. I think Russell Wilson had seven games last year of under 200 passing yards. Uh, you know, and I don't care how much you run, you know, that's not going to, that's not going to jive moving forward. That's not going to help the team grow. Uh, you need to be able to pass the ball uh, with a little bit more consistency like that. Um, so I think, you know, for fantasy purposes, that is. So, you know, Breeze, you right. said it. Spiller coming in, uh, Darren Sproles-like role. They are going back to that offense. And this is another reason why I'm so high on Cooks. They're going back to the offensive scheme that they implemented before Jimmy Graham got there. Graham. And that, right. that was exactly. heavy, heavy on Sproles, heavy on the short passing, break it deep, Colston, Cooks, uh, Spiller. Um, they've got a, a decent tight end in Josh Hill. <laughs> Right now, so mm -hmm. I think I think Brees has tremendous, tremendous, you know, amount the number of targets here at his disposal, um, and I think people are just kind of uh, they're overselling the uh, the whole. Oh, well, he sucks on the road and he sucks in in you know bad weather. Um, I think that right. Brees is a strong enough quarterback that if they do go back to this, you know, the way it was before Graham, I absolutely love it. As far as Peyton goes. Yes, his, his drop-off last year was definitely worrisome. Um, 
can't really explain it much other than the fact that maybe he was kind of hurting at the end. Uh, they weren't really, right. you know, they weren't really divulging, you know, enough information to really, you know, ascertain as to why he was, you know, why he, he struggled. But I don't think he was coming back for another season if, you, if you know, if he or the Broncos even remotely thought that they would be looking at the Peyton Manning of the final six weeks of the season. I think they're, they're expecting him to come back like he was in the beginning of the season. So that's kind of why I keep him, like, you know, it's just it's a heavy passing game. Demarius Thomas, Emmanuel Sanders, uh, Owen Daniels. Do you reckon Owen Daniels in the red zone now over there? Oh, mama. So let's talk about him. That's, a, that's an excellent point. Where are you seeing him go ADP draft-wise in, in most drafts? I'm seeing him go ninth round eighth round high um, in this draft, which was one and a half points for PPR. I drafted him in the eighth round after drafting Martellus Bennett in the fifth. So I had two guys that, you know, can basically, you know, I have for the whole season. So, you know, the best guy ever gets, gets the most points, but one of them can become the flex guy if they outscore the other wide receivers. Um, I, I really don't understand why there's no love for Owen Daniels. I, in, in Denver, I, I'm glad somebody agrees with me. You do. I, I listen. I don't get it either. I drafted him uh, in last night's PPR draft. Um, I got him in the 11th round or the 12th round. Uh, you know, there are so many people that are that are saying that Virgil Green is going to be the guy and Virgil Green is going <laughs> to be the man, and and nobody realizes that Owen Daniels, like Ladarius Green, was in San Diego. Exactly. That's exactly <laughs> perfect comparison right there. You know, Virgil Green is this year's Ladarius Green. Uh, and, right. and I think that it's absolutely hysterical because nobody is paying attention to the fact that Owen Daniels spent how many years working under Gary Kubiak? Kubiak right. loves Owen Daniels. Peyton Manning <laughs> loves his tight end. I mean, right. just rattle off all those tight ends that, that, that Peyton Manning turned into – Somebody, you think Dallas oh, Green yeah. Dallas Clark. would have been a <laughs> Dallas Clark? I mean, yeah, just Dallas Green, yeah, coach for the Yankees. Yeah. Um, yeah. But do you think Dallas Clark really would have been the tight end that he was if he didn't have Peyton Manning there? Do you think Julius yeah. Thomas? Oh, yeah. I mean, Julius Thomas yeah. is going to wake up one day and he's going to be like, "Oh man, oh you're not." Oh Peyton shit, I'm Manning. in Jacksonville. You're like <laughs> Bortles, damn it! What did I do? <laughs> Who did I piss <laughs> off? Oh, well, so I'm that, actually, that you know what, I'm, I'm hoping that, with, with Daniel, I'm hoping, oh, definitely, I, I just, I'm hoping that, that not too many people pay much attention to that, and I hope a lot of people yeah. are very dismissive, dismissive of Owen Daniels, because, oh, baby, I'm going to rock him in, like, the late rounds of every draft, and I'm going to laugh my <laughs> ass off when week one, he ends up with, like, 68 yards and two touchdowns. Exactly. No, I know, I hear you. Um, no, that's great. Um, just stick with the quarterbacks. How long can you go? Eight thirty, good or nine or what? 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 I mean, I, I, let's do eight thirty because I know you got to get ready for those other drafts. So we'll do eight thirty. Is that good? Sounds good. Sounds perfect. Okay. So, all these other quarterbacks after the guys we've talked about: Matt Ryan, Cam Newton, Matthew Stafford, Roethlisberger, Rivers, Kaepernick, Eli, Brady, Tannehill, Romo. 
that group is has lots of big names, lots of great fantasy seasons behind them. Does any of these guys come back to that eliteness in 2015? In your mind, I know at, at PPR. I think they're all just going to hang around together. Uh, so let's let's step away from the PPR scenario at this point because I think they all you you probably see it as much as I do. They all are kind of grouped after those big five. Um, do you see any of them getting back to the elite level of being consistent, very high scoring? I mean, high scoring they've been there. I mean, I think Ryan Matt Ryan last year. Um, let me see if I can find it. Uh, I mean, Roethlisberger was fifth in total points. Eli was eighth, and Matt Ryan was seventh. Tannehill was ninth, but that's total points. Consistency-wise, they were all 56%. So barely over half the games were they helping your fantasy team, according to my system. Does one of these guys, like Ryan Stafford, one of these guys come back to that elite consistency side and be the, the quarterback that they were a year, two, three years ago? Can any of them get back there? Do they have the potential Will something change for them that'll make them get more, they get their consistency back that they didn't have last season? Uh, Matt Ryan. I am okay. all in on Matt Ryan. What everybody seems to forget was that Matt Ryan lost four of his five starting offensive linemen last year. Right. Four out of mm-hmm. five. And the one guy that was still there had to play out of position because the Falcons didn't have anybody else that they could use uh, as a backup there. And I'm sorry, but no quarterback in the NFL is ever going to be successful if their starting offensive line is gone by week five. Um, <laughs> right. And, and the I running backs are either too old or, or not very good. <laughs> oh, God, yeah, right? You know, Stevie Jones, that, that's, that's a one, another reason why I love Kevin Coleman over Devonta Freeman. If Devonta Freeman can't uh, outrun Steven Jackson and take the job, well, then how the hell is he going to do with Kevin Coleman? But we're talking quarterbacks here. So right. Matt Ryan, offensive line healthy, Julio Jones, Roddy White. Um, they pulled in Devin Hester to take uh, uh, Harry Douglas's spot. Um, right. They, brought well, they in also drafted extra- thirty. Yep, exactly. And, and, and wide receiver coming out of college, so. And their tight end situation, you know, I mean, it's it's not as good as it once was, but I think that they right. can develop somebody there to be a, a, right. a good pass-catching tight end. So I, I love right. Matt Ryan. You know, Stafford, I've always liked Stafford, but the problem is, is that not only now is Detroit saying they want him to pass less, but, you know, Detroit perpetually, they fall behind in the first half, and then Stafford re- mm-hmm. rescues fantasy owners with 400 passing yards. But it's like, you know, two touchdowns, three interceptions, uh, three touchdowns, three interceptions. So, you know, as far as that goes, I don't think that he's, even though that they're, they're getting Eric Ebron more involved because now they've got Golden Tate also, um, but Calvin's right. on the decline. And so I just I think that there's a lot of counteracting forces going on there in Detroit. That'll just kind of leave Stafford just right where he is. I don't think that he's going to be able to take that step forward. Ryan, on the other hand, okay. love him. Yeah. It's it's funny. You and I are really on the same pages. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm always prompting you to see what your thought is, and I'm like, damn it. 
what I was going to pick. Um, I'm all in on Matt Ryan too. I really like uh, his potential this year. And again, if for some reason I'd miss out on Breeze, um, Matt Ryan, you know, I can get a round or two later and I'm perfectly fine with that. Um, there's a lot of love for Tannenhill and I think this year's not it. I think another year and all these guys get, you know, they've added Devonte Parker, Jarvis Landry's another year older. Um, they really gelled well at the end of last season. Um, him and Landry Landry earned eight straight quality games over the last eight games last year. Uh, and I really like Jarvis Landry as a, uh, a late uh, or mid to late uh, wide. Um, you know, they've, they've got Jordan Cameron, Lamar Miller out of the backfield. I mean, I think there's a lot of weapons there. Um, see how they play, but you know, AFC East got a lot of good coaches, a lot of good defenses, Patriots, Jets, uh, Dolphins, or that's it. They play for the Dolphins. Um, you know, the bills. So, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm not, I'm, I'm still a little bit kind of caught off on the, I don't know if he'll be as consistent, you know, again, he was only 56% consistent last year, even though he was ninth in total points. So his points were there, but a lot of them came during games against bad teams. Um, you know, yeah. and now the jets got defensively, the bills are better defensively. You know, the Patriots always play them tough. Uh, that, you know, and that's six out of the 16 games. So I'm a little worried about him. Um, but you know, uh, people, people have been jumping all over that. Um, I, I like I them. I actually, I, I, I like Tannehill. Um, and I, do oh, I like, like a, a lot of, uh, and I like the growth that he has shown. Um, because if you look at his completion percentage over time, uh, even with the, the substandard receivers that he has dealt with, um, he has improved. And he had like a 64.5% completion rate last year, uh, which I believe was a career best for him. But right. what, what, the reason that I, I, I paused at him as well um, is, you know, I, listen, I love Jordan Cameron. I'm all in on Jordan Cameron. I think that he's going to be a great tool for him. I'm worried about the receiving core. Uh, I'm worried about how much work Devontae Parker is really going to be able to get done dealing with his injury. Uh, Greg right. Jennings can be a good possession receiver, but the guy's older, you know, he's older right. dirt. Right. And then yeah. Kenny Stills, listen, you know what? Everybody was so high on Kenny Stills last year. And Kenny Stills, in a more effective passing first, uh, you know, run-and-gun offense like he had with the Saints, uh, you know, he didn't go anywhere. So, you know, what makes you think that, you know, he's going to move to Miami and then all of a sudden he's going to have Maybe a quarterback to – Yeah. So yeah. I'm worried about the, the receiving core there this year. I'm I'm with you there. I like him as like a good – like a like a QB2, um, but I definitely don't – Yeah, don't no, I mean, if, as a backup, I'm perfectly fine with him. I, absolutely yeah. with that. I mean, I've drafted him as a backup in, in a number of mocks and, and – other ones that I've done, um, you know, like I said, I've just kind of went with the, you know, if he's there, I'll get him. Um, I was going to take him after I raised in the seventh, I was going to take him in the 10th. Uh, and then as it was starting to come down the 10th, uh, six quarterbacks went in the 10th round before it got to me. Another one of those, Oh, I guess I should have taken him last round. Um, but yeah, so I took I, I ninth round. I picked uh, red Bush. And I thought, okay, I don't really need a, a backup quarterback, but if, you know, Tannenhill or Romo or Stafford or one of those guys is available, I'll grab him. And it went Roethlisberger, Stafford, Cam Newton, Tony Romo, Ryan Tannehill, Tom Brady, Eli Manning, Phillip Rivers, all went before I got to my next pick. 
And I'm like, are you freaking kidding me? This is why I hate being at the end of the rounds. Uh, so I took Kaepernick. And then uh, cool. two rounds later, took Sam Bradford just as a whim, hoping that maybe he does find magic like they did with Sanchez. But anyway, we'll see. Again, it, you know, Breeze is going to be the guy I'm expecting to put up every week. Um, if Kaepernick or Bradford have to have happen to have like some super game that they had outscored Drew Breeze, well, that's great. But you know, uh, again, you know, you only only really get you know credit for one quarterback. So I figured Breeze would handle that for me most of the time. But uh, anyway, um, who else? Um, I think we did the tight ends pretty well. Wide receivers. Um, any wide yeah, receivers so, that you're liking late? Um, in a PTR format, I like Michael Crabtree in Oakland. I really? hate Oakland. I've always I hated. Hate, Oakland. I mean, I, I'm an Oakland fan. Other than the Browns, just because I grew up in the '70s, I had to pick a team that was doing decent. So I, you know, my Browns are my home team, but I followed the Raiders and was a big Bolitnikov fan, Kenny Stabler fan, and that kind of stuff. Um, so I've kind of always had them in my heart, and and I was like appalled when Crabtree went there because I'm like, oh, not another head case. <laughs> Don't they have enough in that town? <laughs> so I'm actually kind of worried that Crabtree went there. So talk me off the ledge, Howard. Why why do why do I why should I like Michael Crabtree in Oakland? Well, I definitely think that Oakland is, is trying to be a pass-first offense. Yeah, they've got Latavius Murray there, um, but... I, I mean, they got Amari Cooper in the draft, so I, I get that. Right, so so they draft Amari Cooper, and Amari Cooper, listen, he's a fantastic receiver. He's got great tools, great tools. Right. Um, right. You, know, I, I, you know, obviously people rate him higher than, than I do, but that's because he's a rookie, and he's only got David right. Carr or Derek Carr. Derek Carr, that's right. Derek Carr, Carr is yeah. throwing to him. But so what I think, you know, the reason I'm, I'm latching on to Crabtree late is obviously he's, he's staying very late. And nobody's picking him up. Um, in a 15-round, right. 12-team PPR, uh, you know, I'm grabbing him in like, the, you know, in the last round. So I think that, that Cooper handles the big, you know, the big legwork. He does the deep routes. Right. But when it comes time to moving the chains, I think that 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 the question is is whether it's going to be Michael Rivera or Michael Crabtree, and I think Crabtree's ability to gain yards after the catch, uh, the fact that he is such a he can be such a good possession receiver, that I think in PPR formats I think he starts lighting it up because I think that he starts he's the guy that that Carr's going to keep looking for on third down to just kind of you know move the sticks so. Uh, I'm kind of, uh, you know, I mean, obviously I'm catching him super late because that's, you know, really where, where everybody, you know, it's, it's an upside pick for me, but I think that he's got the capability of producing. I'm going to throw out another name at wide receiver, and I want to know your thoughts, and, and I'll tell you mine first. Um, Marvin Jones. Marvin Jones, 2013, was really coming on as the – great our, our, our wide receiver two on the other side of A.J. Green. Um, that season, he only earned eight out of um, 16 quality games, but he earned four straight at the end of the year and really was 
looked like he was going to be a really good receiver in that offense um, on the other side of AJ Green. But he gets hurt in preseason, misses the entire year. He's coming back. I've heard good things about his health. I've heard good things about his rapport with the team again, uh, with with Dalton. Um, I really like him as a late kind of fallen off the radar because nobody really remembers him unless you remember two years back, and most people don't. Um, they just, what did, right. what did you do for me last year? Um, Sanu, who did very well at wide receiver two, um, you know, I think will give him some competition, but Marvin Jones will, will walk right back in and be as effective again as he was and help AJ Green get back to the elite status that he didn't have last year um, in that, in that offense. I do think that he'll, uh, that, that he'll come back and he'll play well. I think he'll outplay Sanu, and I think that he'll definitely uh, step in as the, uh, as the as the number two. Um, I think he's got better breakaway speed than Sanu does. I think he comes off the line better. Um, and so that's that's why I love, uh, you know, what, what he did two years ago. I'm, I've been a big Marvin Jones fan. I actually just got into a, a discussion with somebody about uh, Marvin Jones, because I kept saying that, you know, Andy Dalton couldn't be that bad. He's got some good receivers there, but right. so I think, I think Jones does take a step forward from where he was two years ago. Um, but again, the problem with, with the Bengals is that, you know, between Giovanni Bernard and Jeremy Hill, uh, they like to be There's a, a one first team. Feed. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then if you're going to feed a receiver, who's going to get the biggest thing that's got to be AJ Green. So, you know, right, I think that right. I think that that Jones pans out to be one of those like one of those really nice like sneaky bye week plays for you. You know, you got him stashed on your right. bench. Your wide receiver three is on a bye week. You plug in Jones, and he has you know a good solid game, and and you do that the rest right. of the way throughout your bye weeks. I think that he's good for that. Um, but I can't right, right. I can't justify taking him as one of my top three wideouts on my. Oh team. no. No, no, no. This this was a late round wide receiver four, five, six, depending on how deep your league is, but right. certainly could put up wide receiver three numbers. Um, in fact, in 2013, let me find. I just had here. Um, he was 29th in total points, so he was a wide receiver three points wise um, in 2013, and you know so. Uh, I think there's some some potential there. Like I said, just kind of looking at guys that I just have kind of latched onto as some of my favorites, late picks. Um, let's talk about the Philly. We have, we have eight minutes left. So biggest overhype scenario in the NFL has got to be the Philadelphia Eagles offense. Um, <laughs> they did some weird stuff in the offseason. Let LaShawn go. Um, brought in not only DeMarco Murray, which have been, in my mind, plenty enough, but then they also got Ryan Matthews. They still have Darren Sproles. Uh, they let Macklin go and move Jordy Matthew, Jordan Matthews into the number one spot. Um, uh, brought in Nelson Aguilar from USC, who's a rookie. Um, you've got Zach Ertz at tight end. Um, and Sam Bradford is going to be the new quarterback in a – system when I thought the quarterback was supposed to be mobile, but obviously that's not true because uh, <laughs> it can't be with Sam Bradford. What do you make out of that mess? Is it going to be just as good as 
Nick Foles slash Mark Sanchez's offense was? Um, or is it going to make everybody inconsistent where every week you just don't know who's going to have the big game because Chip Kelly doesn't care about your fantasy team and he doesn't care whether Jordan Matthews has 25 points one week and five points the next, which, of course, I'm sitting here promoting them about consistency. I'm looking at these Eagles guys, and I'm scared to death of all of them, even DeMarco Murray. What what do you know? What do you see? What are you hearing? What what are your thoughts on that Eagles nest? <laughs> well, the funny thing is, is that you know, so many people are like, oh, you know, he's going to be great in a Chip Kelly offense. There are very few people that actually know what a Chip Kelly offense is, <laughs> and, and 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 the fact that you just hit the nail right on the head, and you don't know. I mean, it's it's almost like asking. You know, which running back in New England is going to be the guy? You know, it's just right. Chip Kelly doesn't. He hates your fantasy team. He couldn't care less about it. Um, he's going right. to do whatever works based on the matchups. So, you know, I mean, I don't, I don't love the Eagles' offensive line. I, I, I would probably put that as like a like a middle of the road offensive line. So, so I think Demarco right. Murray is going to have a, a little trouble uh, in comparison to to what he was doing with Dallas last year. Uh, Ryan Matthews right. in there to compliment. I mean, listen, you've got two of the most brittle backs, uh, you know, <laughs> in, in the NFL. You want to talk about consistency. Why in the world does everybody ignore five straight years of injuries for Ryan Matthews? And then he has one right. good year, and everybody's like, oh, yeah, he's back. He's going to be great. He's going to be fantastic. <laughs> you know, he's going to get hurt again. The only ego I've been drafting so far in my drafts is Darren Sproles, because I know Darren Sproles will play every week. He doesn't hardly ever get injured. And you know Matthew is going to get hurt, which means he's going to touch the ball more. And I can get him in the 12th, 13th round as my running back four or five. So I'm okay with that because, one, I don't, I didn't lose much if he doesn't get that. But if one of those guys gets down, which which you assume Matthews will, then that puts Sproles right back in the main role third down back anyway. And he was – fairly consistent and had some decent games last year. So that's a guy I'm drafting everybody else. I'm like, mm, Nope, I'm staying away. I, I, I can't rely on their inconsistency. If Nelson Aguilar falls, you know, eighth round kind of, you know, and, and I'm looking at him as like a wide receiver, uh, five kind of play. Um, I'll give, I'll give Aguilar a shot because, you know, I mean, again, got to wait and see what happens with the quarterback situation over there. But, you know, I, I think Aguilar has good talent, um, and I do think that, uh, you know, listen, he'll easily outplay Riley Cooper, and I do think that there is the potential that he starts pulling targets away from Jordan Matthews a little bit. Not crazy, but, you know, just enough to, to make him a little bit more relevant and be one of those, you know, bind-filling guys. Right, right. Yeah, his ADP is wide receiver 32, in the wide receiver three realm, uh, draft-wise, is his overall ADP is 77. So, you know, you're looking at, uh, what, round seven, six, seven? Yeah, probably. See, well, I, I just, I, I kind of feel that's a little too high. I'm okay with what you said. I've seen him <laughs> going much sooner. Um, and I think that's why I haven't drafted him because I'm like, hmm. Yeah, if I have to, because I mean, I'm looking at the ADPs around him, and Roddy White is at 31. Now, if I have to choose between Roddy White, who was 75% consistent last year, 
and Nelson Aguilar, it's not even, I, I don't even have to even blink an eye. Um, no, I'm taking Roddy White every day. Um, so I think I mean, that's that, where, again, I kind of look at the guys around him and go, who would I pick? Now, would I pick Aguilar in front of Michael Floyd or Kevin White? Yeah, probably. Mm -hmm. You know, but is my wide receiver three? I mean, Brandon LaFell is a little bit below him. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald has got wide receiver 38. Uh, Bulk, uh, Anquan Bolden's 40. So, again, I, I don't know if I'm going to take him in front of those guys. But, you know, if if he would fall, I'm with you. Seventh, eighth round, wide receiver four, I'm okay. Wide receiver three, yeah, I want a little more consistency out of that. And I don't know what I'm out of him. Yeah, I think what we're going to start seeing, because, I mean, the ADP data that's out there right now is, is pretty early. Um, and right. I mean, we all sure. know we all know how much fantasy owners just drool over their rookies. And everybody loves the rookies. <laughs> oh, yeah. Loves uh, is that I think that, you know, once training camp starts up and people start seeing a lot of, you know, a lot of things that are going on and a lot of schemes that are being put into play, um, you know, I think that people start to they'll start to come back to earth, and those rookies that you see, guys like uh, Aguilar, guys like Kevin White, um, Devontae Parker, uh, these guys are right. all. I think their ADP is all just going to kind of it's, it's probably going to drop another round or two uh, for the most part because I think people just kind of you know they'll, they'll lose that rookie enthusiasm a little bit. Right. Well, Howard, thank you so much. Man, that hour and a half went fly. It just flew by. <laughs> I'm sitting there going, oh, my gosh, it's 829. Um, thank you so much for coming on. I really appreciate it. I thought we had some great conversations. Uh, maybe we'll get you on again here uh, during draft season. I don't know if you're going to make it to Canton, Ohio, for the Pro Football Hall of Fame weekend. If you do, call me, um, and I'll get you wherever you need to go. Um, so I'll be – because I live here. And uh, but again, thank you for uh, joining. Tell us again, everybody, about uh, Mock Draft Army, your Twitter, where they can follow you uh, at, at Fantasy Alarm. Uh, hit me. I'm all over the place on Fantasy Alarm. Uh, the Mock Draft Army uh, articles are going to be uh, coming out soon, uh, like over the weekend. Uh, hit me up on Twitter at RotoBuzzGuy. Uh, email me, RotoBuzzGuy at gmail.com. Uh, Listen to me on Sirius every Sunday night from 7 to 10 Eastern on the Fantasy Sports Network. Uh, and uh, listen, you want to get on the draft? I'm your guy. I will get you in on some of the best mocks that you're going to see over the next month and a half. All right. Howard Bender from Fantasy Alarm. Howard, thanks again for being on, and we'll talk to you again soon. Everybody else, have a great week, and we'll see you back here th next Thursday night at 7 o'clock. Thanks.